Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Very few people can say they've worked in the health and wellness industry before it was a thing. Even fewer can say they've been doing it for three decades. My next guest is a true trailblazer, shifting the paradigm on dietary supplements with New Chapter and using that platform to inspire change throughout the industry. Right now, I'd like to welcome Paul Schulich, founder and CEO of For the Biome. Welcome to the NutriCast, Paul. Thank you, Danielle. It's a real pleasure to be here. You did take 10 years off of my life, by the way. <laughs> I have actually 40 years. Oh. I, I had a 41 years. I was in, I had a natural food store in Lexington, Massachusetts, starting in 1979. Oh, so wow. I've been around. Just thought I'd give myself another 10 years. If that's okay. <laughs> well, so, I mean, just looking at your career, one title comes to mind. Herbalist OG, what is your secret to success after all these years? Uh, a fascinating question. It's, it's walking the walk, Danielle. It's living the, the good life. People know right from the start whether I think you are authentically representing that with which you are presenting. And for me, it was never an issue. I I have been a passionate user, student, and, uh, and then purveyor of the kingdoms of nature, whether it's the microbial or the herbal or the botanic or the mushroom or the algae. I just really feel a deep connection that we are being provided for. And my dad being a doctor, he worked in the field of modern medicine with uh, with drugs, and soon after discovering that they weren't working well for me, I realized that my answer or my path was in the realm of herbs. So I, I just I just I love them, and I think that that passion and dedication. So when I look for herbs for myself or for friends or for family or for everyone else. I'm essentially just looking for something that that is going to help uplift as many people as possible. And um, and that's how I've spent my my adult life, basically. It sounds like you've dabbled with quite a few different <laughs> herbs and botanicals. Yes, just and a few. <laughs> What's been the most unique one that you've... Uh, you're asking great questions, Danielle. So of... There was, in the early days, there was a huge aha around 1980-81 was when I read my first reference um, on turmeric. And at that point in around 1980, there weren't that many people that knew that uh, other than turmeric as being a component of curry, many people were not aware of its profound health benefits. And I saw this reference showing that it was superior to vitamin E and vitamin C and actually had anti-inflammatory effects. So I, I was delighted by that. And then the herb then that quickly arose to the top of my list was ginger, which I wrote a book about a few years later. Then the more recent and most exciting herb for me in my probably my whole career has been cistus and canis that I had never heard about up until about a year ago, yet it's a super herb and was European herb of the year 
1999, and I had never even heard of it, cystus and canis. So it's one of those herbs that that uh, I love the story of something which is is so ubiquitous, and yet almost nobody knows about it. And and ginger was like that for me, and that no almost nobody knew in the early 80s how profound it was besides just being good for digestion as a good for relieving our aches and pains. Cystus and canis, in my judgment, is one of the key herbs that's yet to be discovered for its immunological support benefits. Isn't that crazy when you look back to all those years ago, how turmeric and ginger were? Yes. And now, yes. I mean, it's the buzzwords, right? Like oh, everybody's absolutely. talking about them. Absolutely. And I think that's partially because it's it's what's needed. And I think that that they arise. And when people like myself, there was probably a few dozen others that were screaming from the mountaintops, you should try some turmeric, you can use ginger for more than just ginger ale. And once you deal with issues that are really challenging, and then the herb suddenly makes huge amounts of sense. And that's, again, points to an herb like cystus. So for me, it's, it's, it's both delightful and exciting to present something that, that few people are familiar with. When you first started in health and wellness, was that something that you always planned to do? Uh, kind of. My dad was a physician. I went on house calls with him in the days when doctors used to make house calls. He, he was a pediatrician. And two or three nights a week, he would go out on house calls, if not more. And so at four years old, I, I, my earliest memory was I just wanted to be like dad. But um, in college, when I was pre-med, I just didn't like it that much. I didn't, didn't enjoy the organic chemistry, and I, I, didn't, I couldn't connect with it, Danielle. So for me, it was herbal medicine that really spoke to me. But there was a bit of a detour from the, uh, from the projected path that I thought I was going to go down was be a medical doctor. Instead, to somewhat of my father's, I don't know, embarrassment if that's he loved me but he was a little embarrassed when it <laughs> aren't when they all friends, yeah <laughs> very good i guess there's some element of truth to that and so yeah he was a little embarrassed that when he's asked by his medical colleagues well what is your son doing and i was a you know i was a bright kind of kid and when they tell him well he's become an herbalist it was like i you know it was like it didn't quite uh, get the rise from his colleagues so, uh, so yeah, so I, I, uh, I took a different path and I'm, I'm happy for it. And what's interesting, Danielle, is if he could see me now, or especially at my peak of my career, when I was at New Chapter, he would have seen that we had rubbed shoulders with scientists and professors and physicians from MD Anderson Cancer Center, Columbia University, Cleveland Clinic, University of Tennessee, Cornell, it's been a really wonderful ride. Yeah. Was there a particular light bulb moment when you decided to launch New Chapter? Uh, yeah. In 19, 1979, I'm in my health food store, okay? And a woman comes in, and I can almost remember the, the face, and she had uh, cancer. I don't actually remember the type, but... There was, no, there was one doctor in all of New England at that point 
who was practicing more of a, of a, he was an MD and he had a, a nutritional practice as part of his practice. And um, it was really just an outrageous paucity of resources. There was in my health food store, there was only a handful of brands of, of uh, vitamins and minerals and which in my experience actually weren't really working that well. And uh, because they were all isolated, synthesized, and pretty much the same as you buy in the drugstore. And then I had bulk herbs in my store. And there was a line under Dr. John Christopher's line of product that was being sold by Nature's Way. And it was principally capsules. And um, But when I went in 1982, I went to a course, uh, Dr. John Christopher's course in Utah, the School of Natural Healing, and there they started talking about making herbal extracts. And oh my goodness, Danielle, all the light bulbs went off. And I, because nobody was making herbal, it was one or two other companies that were making herbal extracts in the United States in 1982. And uh, I said, well, I've got to give these to myself and my customers. So I started making them in my garage and Lexington, Massachusetts. And then all of a sudden distributors started coming from around New England and then from around the country. And, uh, and that was the birth. In 1982, we started, it was with the extracts. And then by 1986, I realized that most vitamins and minerals weren't being absorbed properly or used as well as they could or should be used. And that's when I started making the new chapter line of fermented whole food supplements. So it was by 1986 is when it really started taking off. You launched new chapter with your wife, Barbie, right? Correct. Yes. She's been a saint to stick with me as long as she has. It's been, uh, it's been quite the ride. And, and when, when I left uh, new chapter and the Procter and Gamble um, umbrella and was uh, looking in the mirror and, uh, and looking at the, the big question of what do I want to be when I grow up mm-hmm. now that I'm uh, 60, 66, <laughs> It was very obvious to me I was not going to be able to learn a new trick. So I went right back at it and um, started making supplements again or topical uh, products. But it was a little bit different than what you had been used to, right? You went from your new chapter line, which was dietary supplements. And for the biome, your new company, that is more for skin. Is that right? That's been the case for the first two years. I had a non-compete with Procter and Gamble, and I love working with topicals. I had had a line of topicals that I created back in the day with New Chapter called Jeremy Rose, named after my two kids. But I was um, I was always hoping and planning to go back into nutritional supplements, but I didn't quite know what to do with with myself. To be completely candid, Danielle, and so when uh, in February, when all of this uh, whispers turned into a scream around international immune system being challenged, it became super clear to me what I was going to be obsessed with over the next year. And that's been my obsession. So I am, we are about to launch three products that are designed to promote a wiser immune system. So that's been my passion and my obsession for the past year. How is it working in a space that's so crowded right now? Well, I don't know for sure yet. The, the, the topicals are, um, 
because of when the pandemic hit, many of the retail stores stopped buying new products. So we retooled ourselves and put full energies into the development of these three new immune support products. And I will be able to give you a much clearer answer in the next month or two. But the initial interest is extremely strong, as one might expect. And um, my history as a, and my experience as a, I like to consider myself more of as like a chef than I do anything else. I, I find the best herbs that one can find, and then I blend them in the best way that I possibly can to accentuate their efficacy. And so I think the marketplace is going to be very receptive to this. As you know, the immune category is, is mushrooming right now, and the pun is intended. <laughs> it, is, um, it is absolutely a... And what's amazing, Danielle, is just like in the old days when there was a paucity of innovations when I entered in 1986, there's really not that many innovations in, in, um, in immune support products. Nine out of the 10 leading immune products in the natural product sector are elderberry products which are good products. Um, the elderberry is a good product, but I don't consider it the kind of herb for daily use or the berry for daily use. It's not something you just go and, uh, and make an elderberry tea every day. Or you, if you are, it's, it, it's controversial. So I believe that uh, what we're going to be offering is innovative and, uh, and potentially uh, going to make a, a significant impact much like I did in my in my last 40 years. Okay, so it sounds like it won't have elderberry in it. Uh, what are some of the ingredients that you can tell us about that are in your new formulations? Sure. It, it, it will have elderflower in it. Interestingly, I formed one of the products is called Stress Therapy. It contains elderflower, which actually has been found to be more potent in some ways scavenging free radicals than the berry has been. And the elderflower is revered for its, its effects on the central nervous system. So I sourced the flowers that I use myself that I find to be the most balancing or restorative, not necessarily sedating. I, I don't think most people, no, I hopefully don't want to be sedated that much. I think they just want to feel like they've managed stress better. Mm-hmm. So that's been the key. And actually, we've done two clinical trials and three or four preclinical trials on the flowers that we're using in stress therapy and the herbs like cystus and canis. That was that herb that I mentioned earlier. That is the, that is the lead herb in our immune therapy formulation. And it's partnered with um, some of, another one of my favorite herbs, which is roseps. And before you have a reflex when you hear about rose hips, it's one of the most fascinating processes for me was to, just like everything else in our industry, where one has to really do their due diligence. Many of our herbs that we're buying, like reishi, mushrooms like reishi or, or grape seed, or the, these many of these plants are not actually what they end up being. And that's also the case with flowers like chamomile. So validating the plant is really an important feature of the process. So, and one of the ways we do that is with fingerprinting and HPLC and active ingredients like in chamomile, which is another one of my favorite flowers. You've got to measure its apigenin. You've got to fingerprint it. You've got to do your DNA work on it because there's a lot of adulteration. 
Same mm-hmm. is true with aloe, immense amount of adulteration. So those are some of my favorites. Rose hips that has vitamin C in it, that's actually rose hips. Cystus and Kenis that has at least 13% polyphenols. Chamomile that's got significant levels of apigenin. Sprouted flaxseed that's fermented, that has important immunologically active constituents after they've been fermented, like quercetagetin and herbacetin. And those are the compounds that if you do your homework, you would know that they are extremely important for immunological support. And that's what we have highlighted. I have really, really scoured the marketplace for the, for the best in class. And I think that's what we're offering. And what are those three products that you are offering? I did read one is something for the gut-lung axis. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm still uh, interested or fascinated, I should say, by the fact that the probiotic category over the past year has actually drooped uh, while all these other immune categories are significantly increasing. It is completely the opposite of what it should be, Danielle, because 70 plus percent of our immune system is harbored in our gut, Mm -hmm. as it makes sense. And if you have a good intestinal epithelial barrier, that's reinforced by short-chain fatty acids produced by probiotics, you will have a much stronger immune system. And so using the right probiotics, there's a particular species of probiotic that I have employed called Lactobacillus plantarum DR7. And that particular strain reinforces the epithelial uh, barrier of the digestive system, as well as modulating the serotonergic and dopaminergic pathways, thereby upregulating or reinforcing your response to stress. And that's really important. I don't know if you've ever had that experience when you're about to take a test, you've ever noticed what happens to your digestive system. Almost within seconds, your digestive system goes into fight, flight, freeze. And uh, because 90 plus percent of your stress response is also highlighted in your gut. 95% of your neurotransmitters are produced like serotonin in your gut. So that's why it's so important you get the right probiotics and prebiotics and fermented nutrients, or what is called commonly postbiotics, to get those into the system to reinforce the health. Most people know that if you take a probiotic, it's good for your gut. Some people know that if you it, that there are there is a gut brain axis so that like the serotonin dopamine those can be produced in your gut and will nourish and feed your your central nervous system well through the lymphatic system you are going to be able to nourish and reinforce the gut the gut lung axis and that's what uh, and that's what I have formulated for isn't that amazing everybody's so obsessed with immunity, but not everybody realizes that it all starts with the gut. You know, Hippocrates has something going for him. Let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. And that all disease begins in your gut. I don't know if it's all disease, but a lot of disease begins in your gut. And you know, what's amazing, Danielle, is that nine out of 10 doctor's visits are a result of stress and probably at least three quarters of doctor's visits or diseases are related to what we're eating. And the fact that in modern medicine, 
that doctors aren't trained in how to deal with stress, emotional stress, do counseling or coaching like with the pain problem that we have in the, in the United States today or the stress problems or the immune problems. Doctors need to be educated like they are in Japan. Like we're, Japan's number one in the world in healthy life expectancy. The United States is not even in the top 35 or 40 in healthy life expectancy. Three out of every four doctors in Japan are trained in herbal medicine. Right there is the is the microcosm of what needs to change here. It's funny, right? You buy these vitamins and it always says on the bottom, you know, consult your doctor, but yeah. <laughs> consult, you consult your doctor. And a lot of times they, they're not familiar with supplements and they're not familiar with possible interactions right. with drugs. Right. And, and what the, the irony is, is that we, since 1994, we, kept our right to actually sell an herb or a vitamin or whatever, but you can't really accurately teach about it because of the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. So right now, there is a monopoly and nature is yet to emerge as a real viable alternative. Even consumers, when they think of really taking care of themselves or they have a, a disease system, they don't think of, for the most part, of herbs as the go-to. They think of OTC and they think of drugs. And, um, and that's because the doctors aren't trained to teach their patients that, just like what we said about what Hippocrates was teaching thousands of years ago, is that food needs to be your medicine and your lifestyle, your stress levels need to be appropriately managed. When you look back to the years that you've spent in this business, what stands out to you the most over the years? Hmm. I would say the um, still, even though the industry has grown dramatically over the past 40 years, I'm still amazed we're such a small player. We, there's the industry, I don't, I just read different places, five or $6 billion in business, something like that compared to like five or $600 billion for the pharmaceutical business. So I think that's still the most surprising piece to me is that we are still basically a non-player. We, we, we have still, I don't know what it's going to take. When I was in Germany 30, 40 years ago and I'd go into a pharmacy, they'd give me first herbal remedies. They wouldn't give me a, a OTC or a drug remedy. They'd always give me a, an herbal. So I think that's the thing that surprises me the most still is that our industry has yet to emerge. And I think it's partly because of the lobby and the financial strength of the pharmaceutical business. And I think it's also because of the chicanery in the herbal sector. We talked about doctors. What do you think the pharmacist's role is? Do you think that they should play more of a key role in dietary Great supplements? Question. Great question. Yes, I do. And I think there's models like at Pharmaca, and I've been to a number of crossover pharmacies where the, the pharmacists are educated in Nature's Path in New Hampshire. I, they really have modeled a, a, what I think is the, is the future, is that the pharmacists can, can actually understand and dispense the remedies that are far less toxic and in many cases can be just or even greater efficacy. I know you're getting ready to release your immune therapy line. Anything else going on with you? Any new projects in, in the pipeline? Uh, 
I've been so preoccupied with this, Danielle. I am starting to think about how else I can reinforce the microbiome. The microbiome is more, there is two plus million genes that we're walking around with that are part of the microbiome. There's only 20,000 genes that are so-called human cells. And of those 20,000, 8% of that is viral in, 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 in its sourcing. So we're part of a vast, vast, incomprehensible ecosystem. So I am looking at ways to further respect, revere, and, uh, and highlight the, uh, the microbiome and, um, and how it might reinforce our mental and physical health. It's interesting. Every time I write about the microbiome, I feel like a lot of this research, it's very insightful, but I feel like a lot of us walk away with more questions and answers, right? It's, it's such a yes. mysterious and complex thing. Yeah, you know, that, 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 that's an appropriate response. And it's because we, we have always thought that we humans are the center of the universe. And that's a, that's a grotesque misunderstanding. We are part of a vast ecosystem, what's often referred to in the scientific literature of a, as a hologenome, as a massive genomic entity, which includes all the bacteria, protozoa, fungi, we're walking around with. So I think that's really the, the vastness. And I think we are starting to turn our telescopes on or our electron microscopes, to be a better analogy here, we're starting to really turn those on to look at what's, what we're walking around with and how we could better nourish that and alter that environment. And so I, I am really fascinated by everyone's talking about protein and you need this protein powder, and this protein and, and more plant-based proteins. But what's really not as much or needs to be a much greater part of the dialogue is this uh, what I would call real fiber, the, the real complex fibers that are going to nourish and rebuild and, and help partner with our microbiome. That is certainly going to keep you busy. And, and one last question before you, I let you go. It doesn't sound like it, but do you, do you ever plan to retire? Ah, <laughs> I love it. No, in one, no, I don't. I, as long as I can make a contribution, I, I'm not a golfer. I, I, I don't, uh, I find much, much, much greater joy in helping people and, uh, and in exploring and discovering stuff. I, when I find a new reference on, on a polyphenol or like, and I learn stuff that I've never known before, I get all the dopamine I could possibly want. So uh, I get it from, from the herbs and from discovery. So no, I don't see, I don't see retirement. It's, you know, Confucius said, if you find work that you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. So I, 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 I do my, I, I live that life. That's really what I feel. All right. Founder and CEO of For the Biome, Paul Schulich. It's been such a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the NutriCast. And thank you for having me, Danielle. You're a wonderful interviewer and I can feel your enthusiasm for the field. Thank you so much for all the, the knowledge you've brought to the public. It's wonderful. <laughs> thank you. 
If you like what you just heard, you could subscribe to the NutraCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutraIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutra-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutraCast next week.